Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, good morning to you. It is another beautiful Tuesday here on The Michael Dukes Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska. If it's your favorite radio station and or FM translator and live around the world at MichaelDukesShow.com on the internet where you'll find all the stuff about the show, including simulcast uh, stuff uh, for Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, and the audio-only live stream, links to the podcast, and so much more. It is Tuesday, and that means we are getting into our weekly deep dive. Uh, it is the weekly top three with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, we're going to get down into it, uh, well, right away and uh, just jump in and get things going. Let's see what's happening with Mr. Keithley, and we will get started from there. Hello, my friend. How are you on this beautiful Tuesday? Michael, I'm doing great. Uh, I've made it to my mother's in Illinois, and we're in the middle of a Midwest snowstorm. So, <laughs> but what they call a snowstorm is a little bit different from, oh, what, man. We, from I what we call a snowstorm. I know. Down here in Anchorage, they got what they got 4.7 inches on Sunday, which officially puts us up over the uh, uh, the 4.9 inches. That was a new daily record. That put us up over a record snowfall, 87 inches down here normally. 39 inches so 87 inches is over double what we've got going on uh we thought last year was bad it was only at 55 inches last year we're already at 80 87 inches or something it's crazy but uh <clears throat> anyway well it's good to see that uh, uh you made it down there and we're good to go brad we got uh got a lot of stuff to go over this morning and we're going to start off with uh the rail belt utilities market forces things that are coming up in the session um, and, um, I guess we should start talking about that because there's a lot of discussion about energy, uh, and it's going to, it's going to be a bigger player in this session than I expected, uh, with everybody talking about rail belt utilities and drilling in the cook inlet and so on and so forth. So let's start off there with number one. Well, it is Michael. And I, and I, I share some of your surprise, uh, but I also have, and I also have disappointment uh, about it. Um, so, uh, Jeff Lanfield had a discussion with, uh, uh, Bill Wilikowski and, and one of the reps, uh, last week about the top three issues and that are going to be uh, up this legislative session. And one of them, uh, was energy in the rail belt was, uh, was the cook inlet gas situation and, and how we, how we as a state, uh, deal with that. And, and both were both, the uh, both Senator Wilikowski and the rep were, were uh, uh, fairly uh, vocal in saying, "Oh, the legislature needs to be involved, and we need to, you know, here here are some some of the things we need to do." Well, we don't. <laughs> we we don't need to be involved. We've got companies, private companies, NSTAR, stockholder-owned companies, 
um, NSTAR on the gas side, and well, I guess it's not stockholder owned, but it's 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 a co-op owned private company, uh, Chugach on the electric side that are mandated, uh, required, uh, have accepted certificates that obligate them to maintain safe and reliable uh, 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 utility service uh, to uh, to to their customers in South Central. We've got a government agency, the Alaska Public Utilities Commission that oversees uh, that process and is required to ensure that those utilities live up to their obligation to ensure safe, reliable, and, and to the extent they can, economic service uh, to, uh, to their customers in, uh, in South Central. Uh, that's, you know, that's quite a bit of obligation sitting there. Companies have the obligation to, you know, to look out for their supply. They have an obligation to look out for, uh, for their customers. They have an obligation to have reasonable uh, rates. Um, and, and, you know, we've, we've charged those private companies with that obligation by accepting their certificates, their utility certificates, they have those obligations. Now the, uh, legislature thinks it needs to get in the middle of all that, uh, because there's a crisis and, you know, only the legislature, only, only the Alaska legislature can solve these things. It's not just the legislature. I mean, we've had the, the governor announce new programs, uh, uh right. to deal with it, to deal with it as well. So. You know, it, it seems to be something that uh, that that because it's in the headlines, the legislature, the Alaska legislature thinks uh, they need to deal with it. And well, we're getting it, it, interestingly enough, we're getting two Republicans who are pushing on this. You got George Rauscher, who pre-filed that legislation to eliminate royalties. And then Jesse Sumner, who, who has come forward with a bill that would basically lock permanent fund earnings aside to pay for 25 percent ownership in a gas pipeline, cap the dividend at a thousand bucks in perpetuity until it's paid for apparently. Uh, so it's not like, it's just, uh, it's not like it's one side of the aisle or the other who's coming up with these ideas. Well, I, I would say that, that Jesse and, and, and George's proposals rank second and third in, in terms of the silliest, uh, that I've seen Walter Featherly, who is running for, uh, uh, uh has run before been defeated, but is running again, uh, for a state legislative seat, had an op-ed, uh, in December, uh, that was titled "The Cook: The Solution to Cook Inlet Gas Supply is Under Our Noses." Well, actually, it was up. It was published on December 27th. For those who want to go back and find it, the solution to cook inlet gas supply is under our noses. And he advocated, get this, he advocated that Ada go in and buy uh, the uh, the interests of uh, of, of uh, Bluecrest that owns. Uh, the cosmopolitan field, one of the fields that have been touted as having, you know, some sufficient gas supply to get us out of this mess, to buy uh, out the cosmopolitan cosmopolitan gas field and to buy out uh, John Hendricks's uh, uh, gas field uh, a little north of cosmopolitan, and operate them. Ada to buy and operate uh, those fields, and that would ensure that uh, that we uh, deal with uh, that we deal with the gas supply. So, you know, state ownership, the means of production <laughs> is you know, take take it out of the hands of the private sector that that, you know, has 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 free market uh, uh, aspects around it, take it out of their hands and, and, and impose the state in there with a mandate to go in and sort of notwithstanding cost mandate to go in there uh, and uh, and produce those fields sort of state takeover of the fields, if you will. So that's that wins the prize in my mind for the most the most bizarre outlandish proposal to do away with the with the 
with free enterprise system in the private market in this situation. So no, we lost. Funders number two. There we use the permanent fund earnings to or the permanent fund to come in and buy uh, a portion of uh, 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 fund a portion of the of the big line or of the of the of the of the line down from the slope uh, to uh, to provide gas supply to South Central is. Uh, is Yeah, we're number two. The economic, I was involved deeply in that line back in the early 20 teens. I followed that line all the way along. Um, and the economics of that line are just are just horrible. So it's basically come in, use the permanent fund, subsidize the line that's otherwise ec- uneconomic, and charge it on the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families um, uh, by by funding it through uh, uh, funding it through funding the below market investment that, that he's having the permanent fund make. Uh, on the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families through uh, through PFD cuts. That's the second one. Rauscher, Rauscher just comes in third. I mean, the the proposal to do away with royalties and the proposal, you know, we don't have production taxes in the Cook Inlet anymore. We've already given those up. Um, the proposal to do away with royalties uh, for sales to uh, utilities in South Central, uh, that that only comes in third among the, among the bizarre uh, legislative proposals out there. So... <laughs> It's the legislature, but here's the point. The legislature should stay the heck away from this issue. We have private companies charged with the obligation of making sure that there's service. We already have government overlay in the form of the Alaska Public Utilities Commission overseeing those utilities in the in in their in their in, in their obligations. If they if they fall short, the APUC has a power to has the power to redirect them and 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 direct that they take actions uh, in a in another uh, in another direction. We don't need the legislature coming in on top of all of that, especially Republicans. We don't need the legislature coming in on on top of all of that and say, "Oh, heck to heck with market forces. We, the state, know know better than anybody else how to handle these things." So it's that'll that'll just make this situation worse. Um, it, let me let me devil's advocate here for a minute. I mean, we here in Alaska are different than any place else because we have this collectively owned resource that's owned by the state uh, collectively as a people. What about the argument that that's the only thing we're going to get it done, whether we do, you know, if it was a privately held thing, maybe the owners would develop it. So what's the you know, what's the what's the what's the counter to that argument there? It is. It is privately owned. I mean, we've got we've, we've leased out. Uh, the cosmopolitan field to Bluecrest. We've leased out the the uh, the fields that uh, John Hendricks uh, operates to John Hendricks. We've leased out the North Slope to producers on the North Slope. If if they thought they were going to be able to make money out of out of monetizing their uh, uh, if they and their investors thought they were going to be able to make money out of monetizing those resources, they would do it. The fact they aren't, the fact they can't attract investors to monetizing those resources says the economics aren't there for monetizing those resources. So right. why should the state who, who, who is not operating these fields, doesn't have a feel for the, for the economics of the field, why should the state step in and say, oh, wait, well, we know better. You know, we're going to throw our money at it. Right. Uh, it it's it's going to end up costing the state more uh, in the, and, and consumers more in the end. Consumers writ large, because, you know, if you use PFD cuts to fund it, you're, you're, you're forcing everybody in the state all the middle and lower income Alaska families in the state, Southeast, South Central, uh, the interior bush, you know, all over the place uh, to help to help fund uh, uh, South Central electric or utility customers. So we, we already have private sector 
involvement in this in this decision making process and they're saying the economics don't work and that brings you to the opinion piece from charles wolfworth which basically says we need to stop we need to stop drinking the copium and just uh and basically you know admit that we're gonna have to import gas essentially instead you know step put up the put away the pipe dream of being a major exporter uh and instead just focus on renewables and et cetera et cetera et cetera yeah i think well Wolferth, Wolferth may, may go a tad too far in the other direction saying, well, we just need to accept LNG. What I'm saying, what I'm arguing is we need to, we need to let the private sector work. We need to let NSTAR and Shugatch figure out what makes the most economic sense. We need to let the Alaska Public Utilities Commission, which is charged with overseeing these decisions, to, to, do, its, to do its work and to decide whether the decisions the recommendations being made by NSTAR and Shugatch are in the public interest. We need to let that system work. We don't need to intervene in it. I, we don't need to automatically say, well, LNG is the answer. LNG may be the answer. And I think Wolfer's opinion piece is useful in, in sort of un- helping us understand why LNG may be the answer. LNG may be the answer, but we need to we need to let the system, the private economic system that we've set up in this state uh, work and let them determine what the most economic uh, alternative is. I know, I know we got a lot of gas in the state. I know we got, we think we still have a lot of gas in Cook Inlet. I think, I know we, we have a lot of gas on the North Slope. I know we want to use that gas to meet this need, but economics need to rule. We don't need to impose ex- excess burdens, excess economic burdens on the state uh, uh, in solving this problem. We need to let market forces rule. Yeah, because the state has got such a great track record with trying to develop projects on their own. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, those kind of solutions. Anytime I see those kind of solutions, while I feel the frustration of many people watching this, I also understand that uh, if you want a cost plus project, just have the state jump in there and figure it out. And uh, and and you'll see exactly how well that that ends up being run out there for sure. Uh, Brad, give us a tease for number two. Well, number two is that uh, uh, the Labor Department released a report that said jobs are up. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that uh, what that says, what that report says, not only for jobs, but also for the economy as a whole, the Alaska economy as a whole. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. We're going to continue here with the weekly top three. Number one, that Cook Inlet gas, it's going to come back to bite us. We're going to see higher prices no matter what. Uh, Number two, dead ahead, the Michael Luke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more Brad Keithley right after this. the show you can listen to it on your time with dukes on demand oh and it's free like america used to be streaming live every weekday morning on facebook live and michaeldukeshow.com okay brad keithley our guest alaskans for sustainable budgets uh we're continuing on here um you know, Brad, I, I again, I, I feel the frustration of Weatherly and others who have said, you know, this, that 
it is frustrating. We've got trillions of cubic feet of gas up on the North Slope. We've got, you know, there's billions of cubic feet of gas in the Cook Inlet. We've just got to find it and, you know, find the stable fields, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't just be like, okay, fine, we'll just spend all the people's money to make it work. And, again, because the government has got such a great track record of uh, managing and creating projects and doing so well, I just, you know, if you want to create the next boondoggle, that's kind of what you – I understand the frustration, but I also understand that market forces have got to prevail. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it's billions – I think Wolfer said something about setting a billion dollars on fire and just watching it burn. That's kind of what you would have to do at this point. You know, I uh, I had a little exchange on Twitter last night with Jesse about his uh, about his bill, and the, and the pushback was, well – we're going to have higher energy costs where, you know, if we have LNG, we're going to have higher energy costs in the Cook Inlet. Look, folks, we're going to have higher energy costs no matter what happens. I mean, uh, Alaska has been fortunate uh, to live for decades off of the Cook Inlet, off Cook Inlet gas supply uh, that has allowed us to have a fairly low cost viewed globally, a fairly low cost gas supply uh, relative, uh, relative to others. And, and yes, prices are going to go up. It's a question of how much they're going to go up, and it's a question of who bears the costs. Um, what what these what what Weatherly's or Featherly's proposal and Jesse's proposal and other proposals are are essentially to subsidize South Central energy costs by using state funds to to you know to earn below market returns um, in various investments to try to keep these energy costs down. But it's just a subsidy. It's a state subsidy, and it's going to come out of somebody's pocket. Jesse's proposal explicitly is to take it out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families through PFD cuts. Weatherly sort of works it a little bit slower. He does it through ADA, but ADA gets funded by the legislature. And, and where's the legislature going to find those additional funds? They're going to find those additional funds uh, out of PFD cuts if we keep going the way, way we're going. So it's it's. They're they're trying to say, look, we're gonna we're we know how to keep energy costs in in South Central down, but they're doing it by just pouring in excess money, uh, excess state money to subsidize those costs down, and somebody's bearing the burden uh, of those of those excess right. state costs that are being that are being poured in. Well, we've got we've got a private sector that's doing it. We ought to just let them do their right. do their job. Well, and and the thing is everybody would be subsidizing it those, you know, from a PFD, but those that would feel it the most are the lower and middle income families cuz they feel that PFD cut the most uh more than anything else and to have everybody in the state pay for the uh, the comfort and the and the subsidy for just the rail belt area. Although I mean, most people live on the rail belt, so I mean, I could see some of the justification in that. But again, you've got everyone in the state paying for that, and that just makes no sense whatsoever. You know what? That starts, Michael. All right, so so South Cent- or South Central, the rail belt gets you know subsidized energy costs, and then the Bush says, "Well, where's ours?" And Southeast says, well, where's ours? And then we got to create these new programs out there. I mean, that's how power cost equalization got started back in the day. We got to create these new programs out there so that they get some of it, they get some money also. And by the by the time you're you're done with it, not only are you are you throwing in excess funds to subsidize South Central, you're throwing in excess funds to to have yeah. offset subsidies out in the bush and 
and in south, south southeast. You keep using that word excess, and I don't think it means what you think it means. I don't think there's an excess of money. I think it's uh, taking that money from someplace. I mean, it's essentially taking it from the PFT, right? I mean, that's at this point, that's the easiest grab of money out there. Yeah, excess above what the market would tell you is economic. That's yeah. that's what I mean by yeah. excess in, in this context. Yeah. No, it's uh, definitely a frustration to be had uh, for sure. Uh, and again, I could see the justification in some people's mind, but it still makes no sense because you have to ask the question, who pays? And uh, if you're not asking that question, I don't think you're doing the full I don't think you're doing the full job. Um, it's uh, it's it's a frustrating thing. All right. We're jumping back into it. Here we go. Uh, Brad Keithley, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Brad Keithley joins us every week to discuss oil, gas, and the economic forecast of Alaska. It's the Michael Dukes Show. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, continues with us here this morning uh, on the Michael Dukes Show. Number two, the jobs report is coming in, um, and they're saying, oh, it's all... It's all it's all going to be we're almost back to pre-pandemic, almost back to pre-pandemic levels. Um, although I don't think that says the the big picture. I mean, anecdotally, as I've been talking about more and more as I go around and look at different businesses, I mean, everybody's trying to hire. I don't know what the problem is exactly, but uh, it's it's we've got some issues here. And I don't know if this jobs report is giving us the full picture. Brad, what do you see when you look at this? Well, I think the ADN headline, uh, uh, actually the Alaska Beacon uh, headline, captured uh, what's going on with the jobs report. The Department of Labor calculates uh, on the backs of what the feds do. The Department of Labor calculates uh, uh, the outlook uh, uh, for Alaska jobs. Just They just issued their report uh, and said uh, and, and projects that, that jobs are up. But here's, here's the headline uh, on, the, on the article. Alaska job growth driven by big projects expected to put employment at pre-COVID levels. And the when you read on down through the article, as if you read on down through the Department of Labor report, the major catalyst for job growth, the forecast said, will be big projects, federally funded infrastructure projects, and mining and oil and gas development, which is primarily the Willow um, and the Pika projects uh, up on the North Slope. That's what's driving uh, 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 job growth. And as, as you and Ben discussed yesterday, you know, the federal funds are here today, but they're going to be gone tomorrow. You can't count on them, you know, being providing a consistent uh, uh, basis for, uh, uh, for the Alaska economy. And so, and when you look at, at our history with, with the North Slope, what happens is when we're in development with these fields, when we're in development with, with big fields like Prudhoe in the past, Kaparik in the past, Point Thompson in the early uh, 20-teens, uh, job numbers go way up because you're in the construction phase. You've got a lot of construction going on, not only up on the slope, but also down in Anchorage in support of that, or in, and in Fairbanks in support of that. Uh, but once those projects uh, are finished, uh, once Point Thompson was finished in the early 20-teens, once Prudhoe was finished back in the day, and once Willow's finished and once Pika's finished, those jobs, those oil and gas jobs uh, uh, come back down. The maintenance jobs uh, are, are much less than the construction phase uh, jobs. So what we're, what, what we're seeing in the jobs report is, is a bump, but the bumps being caused by 
big projects, uh, federally funded infrastructure projects, as the as the dollars from uh, the the infrastructure and the and the you know uh, uh, inflation keep inflation down uh, uh, acts uh, start to hit the state, um, and as uh, as those big oil projects hit. It's tell it's it when you look when you look through the numbers and you look at small business uh, activities in which small business enga- is engaged, for example, you don't see the job numbers bouncing back up. You see them sort of, you know, staying at a fairly at a, at a fairly level field. So, the the Alaska boom economy, the the boom economy driven by big projects, federally funded projects, oil and gas projects, is 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 reawakening is is bringing those bringing those jobs uh re, jobs related to those projects back but the fundamental economics the fundamental uh, uh businesses in alaska the small businesses the the businesses that aren't engaged in uh, in those industries or supporting those industries uh, aren't seeing the same sort of job growth we're seeing the same sort of depression uh, in those jobs that we uh, that we've seen before well, and this again goes back and points out uh, the glaring impact of having a public and a private economy that are divorced from each other, right? I mean, the 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 jobs that they're touting in these jobs reports are all jobs that are in some way or another funded by governmental dollars. Uh, the private sector still out there struggling, uh, and and it kind of the overall arching. Um, what I read between the lines on this piece was basically saying, "Oh, look." Uh, the government economy is doing well, so we must be doing better uh, instead of what is the private economy doing. And that that's the thing. They're always focused. And, and here's the thing. The federal dollars, uh, I mean, I pointed this out several times here in just the last couple of weeks. But, you know, we last year, we spent nearly a trillion dollars on debt service in this country. This year, it's going to be over $1.1 trillion in debt service, and that's assuming the current rate of growth, which is unsustainable in and of itself. We're not going to be seeing those federal dollars, you know, for 10, for, you know, 10 years from now, it'll be a whole different picture. And if we don't see those monies and we don't have a, a, a private economy that helps support it, we're going to be in serious trouble. Yeah, we've got, we've got, a, we've got both the federal government and a legislature that's picking winners and losers, right? I mean, they're they're taking dollars, particularly in the area of the PFD. They're taking dollars that otherwise would help fund mom and pop, help fund uh, uh, small startup businesses. If you look back to the Kenya study, uh, help help build that small business sector uh, in the economy. They're taking those dollars and refunneling them out to their to the legislators legislators selected industries that they want to help that they think. You know, are deserving of their help, childcare, um, uh, the K through 12 industry, that sort of that sort of thing. We're not. We've got money in this state uh, uh, that that helps that that is supposed to go help uh, uh, small businesses, go help small business growth in terms of putting it in the hands of people who can make the uh, uh, residents who can make the decision about where they want to invest their money, and many do invest it in small businesses. Uh, uh, we've got a, a program that does that, but you know, we, we legislature doesn't want to do that. They they just want they want big pops. Uh, they want to invest the money where you know their constituents, excuse me, where their donors uh, are are trying to direct uh, direct the money to. So it's um, I, we we've got a we've got a, a, a screwed up economy that's built on big things funded 
by by big you know pushes from either uh, uh, the the oil and gas industry, which you know we've we've jerry rigged our oil and gas tax system to incentivize essentially give public funds to uh, to the development of those projects, uh, and then the federal money coming in, the big federal money coming in for infrastructure. We've built we 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 are continuing to build our economy dependent on these big, as you say, government subsidized or government funded projects. Um, and uh, and leaving the mom and pop, the small businesses, that's the heart of the uh, you know what you find in the lower 48, uh, leaving them uh, sort of high and dry by taxing them, ta- taking money out of out of middle and lower income Alaska families to allow the legislature to redirect it off to you know the the, the places that uh, their donors tell them to tell them to put it. So what is the what are the job report? What does it tell you ultimately uh, on this? And you know where do we go from here? Tells you, tells me that Alaska is still in this boom and bust cycle, that we're not, we're not engaged in developing industries or businesses that sort of, that are sort of, you know, outside of the boom and bust cycle that just sort of continue on regardless of where the, where the boom and bust cycle is, that we are, that we are committing ourselves to stay in this boom and bust cycle by living on big expenditures that come from big projects. And we and we're and and we're you know, sort of like a junkie. Uh, we're just sort of sitting there, dependent. We build an economy that's dependent on these big projects, and and when the big projects go away, we're we're sort of like a junkie sitting there, you know, just shiver, just you know, shaking because we need another fix of the big projects, some outside money or some state money uh, to come in and and generate some additional projects. We are not building. Rob Myers makes this point better than anybody. We're not building a fundamental basic economy in the state uh, through our through our programs. We're we're just dependent on these on these big projects as the, as they come in and go away. Well, and that's again something that we've been talking about. I mean, yesterday, uh, uh, Brad, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, ben. Uh, ben Carpenter made the point. You know, look at look at our expenditures, overall expenditures. Uh, you know, uh, from a $6 billion to a $14 billion spend increase over the course of the years. And a big chunk of that is federal dollars. And eventually, as we've seen in the past, what will happen is those dollars will go away, whether it's in the short term or the long term, those dollars are going to go away. And if we have no underpinnings of a private economy, that's when things are really going to get tough. You talk about boom, and that will be the full bus cycle. Yeah, that that'll be back to that'll be back to you know pre-oil era uh, Alaska. It, it, you know, it's just I mean th- this sort of relates to 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 the first segment, right? About the Cook Inlet. I mean Jesse Sumner's proposal of of taking a of funding a quarter of a of a gas pipeline down from the North Slope uh, uh, through uh, through the permanent fund. It's we we've 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 made ourselves dependent on on these big projects, and you know when we don't have one. We've got contractors out there who get all nervous about, you know, not having enough work, notwithstanding that we've got Willow going on and Pika going on. Now we've got contractor contractors out there worried about the next project. And so, you know, the answer is, oh, we got we got this crisis in Cook Inlet. Well, look, we can do a two for one. We can solve this crisis in Cook Inlet. We could have this big boom, this big construction boom to build this pipeline and keep all these contractors happy uh, all at the same time. Well, that's not how. It's not how a fundamental economy works. A fundamental economy works with small businesses growing um, and small businesses, you know, need need support 
in in that effort. Not not government support in the sense of hey you this small business over here you guys win I'm going to give you a grant. Hey right you small business over here I'm going to give you a grant. Picking winners and losers again right exactly yeah, yeah exactly they need they need support in terms of low taxes and right. I will now say well Alaska has no taxes we do have taxes. That's what permanent fund cuts are. And we're taking it out of the heart of the of the economy. We're taking it out of middle-income Alaska families, <clears throat> the heart of what builds uh, a stable small business economy. And, and when you say fundamental economy, what you're talking about is a basic underpinnings of a private economy, uh, keeping everything afloat outside of the boom and bust cycle of government spending. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's... Uh, I mean, again, it's frustrating for us who have been watching this for a long time and are, are trying to, you know, lay this out there and nobody else seems to see it. We get we, we seem to be addicted to that boom and bust cycle. And you're right. We've created a dependency economy at multiple levels. I mean, we've talked about the dependency state in Alaska on the social safety net and the welfare side. Uh, and we in the program here have been talking about the other side, the corporate cronyism and the safety net of of uh, of government spend for these big companies that have basically built their whole business model around government spending, we are really the the poster child for a dependency state on both ends of the spectrum at this point. We are, and in this jobs report, I guess I guess the, the the ultimate point here is this jobs report just says it's sort of the feedback loop, right? I mean, everybody goes around saying, "Oh, good jobs report. We got a lot of jobs." Well, look at where those jobs are. Look at what's going on. Look at what we're depending on, right? To to have to have a good jobs report. And what's it's the not... longevity? And what's the longevity of those jobs? Is this a short term fix or is this a long term solution? And the problem is, it's that short term high, and then you're you're right back down again into the doldrums again, and that's the problem. Right. And we and we and we sit there dependent, sit there waiting on the next fix, waiting on the next the next uh, 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 ingestion or the next you know funds that. That come in, and it's just not. I, it's it's a good jobs report in the sense that yes, we got jobs, and it's a good jobs report in the sense that yes, you know the economy is gonna is gonna kick back up. We've got we've got jobs out there. We're not we're no longer in the doldrums certainly of the pandemic, and we're and we're coming out of that. And yes, we've got good projects. That's 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 great news. But that's sort of all we got, and 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 that's that's the bad news i mean right, the, right. the bad news is all we got are these big project uh, uh, jobs we don't have the fundamental basic economy you know slowly building up through through the development of small businesses we've just got we just got these boom jobs. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get a tease of number three, which is kind of back to the session and what we're expecting to see, and how the KPB may not be helping in that situation. Yeah. So the Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly uh, passed a resolution uh, uh, that they directed at the legislature and the governor. They were very specific in in pointing uh, pointing pointing the finger also at the governor uh, about uh, K through twelve funding. But uh, to me. That uh, that resolution is is indicative of the problem. The K, the borough assembly just uh, just added to the problem, not the solution. All right, and uh, and I'll talk about why that is. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues. Don't forget, you can always join us out on Facebook or YouTube if you'd like. 
Join the conversation for Between the Commercial Break Chats and more. We return in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. So, I mean, this <clears throat> this new phrase, the fundamental, uh, fundamental economy, I think it's good because it points out what we've been saying for a while. Again, it highlights the fact that the public and the private economies are divorced. Now, in in general, in most states, the overall economy is a component of those two things, but they work in synchronicity, right? I mean, they're they're slaved to each other uh, because the government economy cannot out cannot outrun the private economy because it's dependent on the private economy for its revenue. We're here in the state of Alaska. We're outside that paradigm, and so we can do kind of whatever. So we do have two economies, one being the government economy with this boom and bust cycle and one being the private economy that's just trying to stay afloat and keep up. So it's kind of important to point that out. I mean, that's kind of a continuation of what we've been talking about with Rob Myers. Yeah, what you want, what you want is is a jobs report or any sort of economic report that, so, that shows your baseline level uh, continuing to grow over time. I mean, not it doesn't it doesn't just you know spike up, but you want it continuing to grow uh, over time. What we've got in Alaska is that baseline level sort of stays down here, goes down during the pandemic, maybe comes back up to where it was before the pandemic. But our jobs growth comes with these big, you know, the the federal infrastructure dollars, and then the and then the you know the the the, the oil and gas projects, you know, in part funded by oil and gas uh, uh, tax tax breaks. That's where our jobs come from. And, and our baseline isn't unlike in the lower 48 or in, or in you know, solid economies like Texas or elsewhere, Florida, elsewhere. It's not, it's, not, it's not coming up slowly. It's just sort of staying there. And then we get these humps coming out of, uh, coming out of these, these big projects. What we should want is, I mean, I'm not saying let's not have these, let's not have these bumps when they come. But what we should want is this baseline, like in other states, successful states, gradually creeping up. Um, and and how does that happen in some in some of those other states? Well, in Oklahoma and Texas, it's handled it, it, it's in part through royalties that come from oil and gas that go into the private sector, and have helped fund provide capital to fund some of these small businesses that have that have that have grown and, and grow the grow the underlying underlying base. In Florida, it's tourism. Uh, that that's helped you know fund private private funds coming from tourism that's helped uh, uh, build those up. In Alaska, you know our oil and gas royalties. We, we are we are most like of all those states. We're most like Texas, Oklahoma, and in Alaska, our royalties go to the state. But Governor Hammond created a mechanism, a workaround mechanism that that would would put a portion of it, fifty percent of the earnings from the permit fund, put a portion of, of it in the private sector. Well, we'll what we've got now is the state taking that away and and diverting it over to these boom and bust programs so essentially funding these boom and bust programs so our underlying fundamental economy isn't growing at all every time we get one of these jobs reports or we get one of these economic reports 
my eye goes immediately to what's going on outside of the boom and bust. Is is the fundamental, is the baseline growing? And it's not in Alaska. And that's that's a problem. That's a problem because we don't, when these busts go, when these boom and bust, when these booms go away and they turn into busts, we just come crashing all the way back down to this to this low level that uh, that we got going on in the private sector instead of instead of having that private sector grow and coming back down sort of a soft landing into that into that growing private sector. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, I mean, ideally, we'd love to see a jobs report that was equitable across all the sectors, across all the. I mean, that's what you want to see, right? Instead of the touting of, look at how all this government money, I, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but that essentially the article said, look at how all these big government dollars are making the economy flow again, which again plays right back into the narrative. I mean, Ben mentioned it yesterday. There are plenty of people down in Juneau who believe that as long as the public sector economy, the government economy is doing well, we're doing well. And that's not necessarily the case. And that's, again, where that divorce happens between the two. Well, the 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 favored industries or the favored companies the 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 companies selected by the you know 20 plus 11 plus 1 in the appropriations bills they're doing well but everybody else but the fundamental economy the non-government funded economy uh it isn't i mean you just you look at the jobs report you look at the economics report they aren't they're just they're just sort of you know, scratching along at, 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 a, at a bare minimum. So we, we, the, the Juno perspective is, yes, the ones we fund are doing well. Well, okay, good. But you aren't funding everybody. You're funding a select few that you and your donors have, have, have pre-selected to be successful. So yeah, if you look at it that way, you're successful. But the rest of the economy, what you want to be growing isn't. And right. it's because you're, you're taxing it. In, yeah. in, for one reason, because you're taxing it. Right. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, jumping back into it, the weekly top three completes here in the final segment. Like, share, subscribe. 50 plus people, 60 people in the chat room, only eight likes. Give me some thumbs up here, will you folks, this morning? Let's get to it. Here we go. Jumping back into it, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. The lo- Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, Enemy. Public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. No, no, I'm I'm a perfect angel. Perfect angel. Welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke show continues. Brad Keithley is our guest. Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. The weekly top three finishes here in this final segment. Number three. The KPB is not doing us any favors here. The Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly has now put a resolution out demanding that the governor, that the legislature, that pretty much everybody pay for the schools or else. Uh, It's going to be dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. There's no way we could possibly live on the monies that we had before. Brad, give us the rundown here. Well, like like a lot of other school districts, uh, the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District is is complaining about not having enough money this uh, this coming session that it's or this coming year that it's that it's showing a deficit in its budget it doesn't know how to cover the budget and the and the borough assembly uh, responding to that uh, uh, passed a resolution 
that says uh, assembly members unanimously backed. This is from the Peninsula Clarion. Assembly members unanimously backed and all sponsored a a resolution during their regular meeting on Tuesday requesting that the state of Alaska make a timely increase to the base student allocation for the state's public schools. Uh, And then they went on and added to, they passed a similar resolution last year, but but recall that Governor Dunleavy vetoed uh, half of the uh, of the one-time appropriation, and so they specifically called on Gun- Governor Dunleavy to, when the legislature passes uh, the increase to K through 12, the base student allocation that the borough assembly is calling for, that for Governor Dunleavy to sign it. So they've been they're 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 now you know extending their plea, uh, their argument, uh, their resolution. Uh, to both the legislature and to uh, and to the governor to uh, to increase funding for base student allocation and, and help, <laughs> you know, the backstory is help get the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District uh, funded at a level that the Kenai Peninsula School School Borough uh, or, or Borough School wants to be wants to be funded. Here's the deal: uh, it, it, they've added to the problem; they aren't adding to the solution. I mean, this is this goes back to a discussion we had last week, and it goes back to the early 20 teens when when people were saying the solution to this problem is to cut spending. The solution to the budget problem is to cut spending. And then and then the response was, well, where do you want to cut? And and while some came up with specifics, many didn't. Um, And and so the, the response was, well, you're just being irresponsible. You're saying you're saying to cut without without specifics. And so we don't know where to cut. So we're just going to keep on, keep on spending. It's the flip side. What the Kenai Peninsula Borough and, and others who are engaged in this sort of a fun K through 12, fun the K through 12 industry, what they're engaged in is the flip side of what happened in the early 20 teens, which is funded, but we're not going to tell you where to, where, where to get the money. You know, it's, we got it. We got a two prong problem. One, one prong is funding levels and, and, you know, the Kenai Peninsula Borough conservative, one of the most conservative parts of the state, Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly says, we got a funding problem. Okay. Then the second problem is where are you going to get the money? Who pays for this increased funding? It's a two prong problem. They are equal prongs. You, you don't solve one without solving the other. It, it, unlike the federal government, you can't create money. So, so we've got to get the money from someplace. And when you have a resolution like this, that that doesn't that doesn't specify where it comes from. They're not helping solve the problem. They're just increasing. They're just making the problem worse. Of saying, well, we got to fund it someplace. We got to fund it someplace, and so budgets keep going up and up and up. But deficits keep going up and up and up because they're not coming forward with the with the solution. Even if they wanted to say cut the PFD, if that's what they want, they'd they'd all be voted out presumably. But even if they want it. Even if that's yeah, that's the solution, at least they would have a solution uh, uh, to the to the problem. At least they would have, you know, they would match both prongs. They would come up with, you know, we need increased funding, and here's the source that that we that we say uh, should be used to uh, to to fund it. But they don't do that, and they don't want to do that. They want to be irresponsible. They want to be the heroes to the to the K through twelve industry by saying, yes, we stood up. We said more funding, more funding, but they don't want to take the responsibility of, of, of proposing where the funds should come from. And so it's just, I mean, you, 
So we get all these people going around out there and saying more funding, more funding, more funding, more funding. Where's the, where's, where's it supposed to come from folks? I mean, give us, give us both sides of the, both sides of the equation. And if you don't, you're part of the problem. You're not part of, you're not part of the solution. Just like, just like back in the early 20 teens, when the, when the claim was, when we said cut and, and when the, and when the question was, where do you cut? We don't know, you know, it's up to the legislature. Well, that's not, you're not coming up with a solution. You're coming up with just an additional problem. Right. So. Well, and I love, I, I love how the fact that they, that they go on in this the article of the clarion and they talk about this and they're like, well, you know, they have a deficit and they've, you know, they went to the community and the community pushed back over cuts to, you know, pools, school pools and theaters. And, you know, we were able to add all that back on with state one time state money, but we need more to make all that work. You know, I mean, it'd be great to have we can't be all things to all people. And that's the thing. We're not living in a major metropolitan area. We're in a you know, these are rural districts. Uh, I mean, you know, Kenai, Soldatna, that is a pretty rural area. Those towns are not megapolises. And so you've got to be able to look at it and say, do we really need X or Y? Or are they doing the right thing with the monies that they have right now? I mean, you know, that's the bigger question. And you don't confront that question until you until you answer the question of who pays. I mean, it's it's all about choice, right? Do we do we take money out of this out of out of the private sector? to put it into this and, 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 and you don't, you don't confront whether you're, I mean, well, you don't confront whether you're spending it on the right things, whether you're spending enough, whether you're not, whether you're spending too much, you don't confront that until you confront the choice until you, until you weigh where you're going to take the money from what the source is. Uh, you know, it's like the top 20%, the top 20% keep saying, yeah, spend more, spend more on K through 12, spend more, on the university, yeah, let's have state-funded childcare. Let's, you know, Jesse Sumner. Let's, uh, let's, let's build a, uh, you know, let's help. Let's use the funds from the state to help build a line down from the slope. And then, and then, you know, they can say that because they propose to do it through PFD cuts because they propose to do it on the backs of middle and lower-income Alaska families, where the top twenty percent, you know, get barely nicked um, uh, as uh, as as those funds uh, as those funds go by. So they don't they don't have to make a choice. I mean, they get, it's free money. They just, you know, spend more and more and more of it. It's not coming from our pockets, spend more and more and more of it. And that's, that's the problem when you don't, when you don't answer both sides of the equation, when you don't say spend more here and take the money from here, when you don't answer both sides of the equation, you know, you just, you just get carried away. It's just, yeah, let's do more K through 12 funding. Let's, let's do, you know, we, we need more. We can't, we can't cut here. Where's the money going to come from? It's going to come from your pocket. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Well, it's going to come from my pocket. Then maybe we don't need, you know, extended hours on the pool, or maybe we don't need this if you're going to take it from my pocket. But as long as it's coming from somebody else's pocket, yes, we need all that other stuff. And that's that. That's my complaint about the that's it today. That's my complaint about the Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly, but it's my complaint about everybody who's saying, fund it more and more and more and more. Tell me where the money's from coming from. Tell me what, tell me whose pocket you're taking it from and tell me it's worth it to take it from their pocket and transport, transport it over to these other, these other pockets. Tell me both sides of the equation. And when you don't do that, you're just, you know, you're, you're talking into thin air. You're making the problem worse by creating more pressure for spending 
without addressing the issue of whether that spending is right because of what it's going to cost coming out from the other side. All right, Brad, 60-second recap here down to the end. What uh, what can we do? Legislature, the, the, the coming legislative session is going to be a mess, um, uh, and, uh, and we're going to need to stay on top of it. Uh, the last thing we need is more government involvement. The last thing we need is the government superseding the private sector in the cook inlet gas supply situation or superseding the private sector anyplace. We need to build up the fundamental economy, the non-governmental economy. We need to build it up instead of continuing to raid it to, to fund all these government programs. But everybody's asking. Everybody's got their hand out. We need more money. We need more. Where's the money coming from? We don't know. We just want our cut of it and then some and more. That's what it's all comes down to. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Michael, thanks for having me. Folks, we got more coming up. Hour two dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Hour two right after this. Terry says, at the Valley listening session last night, a few whining about more BSA dollars. Majority with was no more dollars until our children are actually getting an education and school administration is cut because they are the ones getting all the dollars. I mean, that's the other thing. They keep going back to the BSA. How much of that is actually going into actual education versus administrative and overhead and structural stuff and everything else? I mean, that's the thing. It's a boondoggle. It's a smoke and mirror show because we know that most of that money doesn't make it into the classrooms. So is it really about educating the children or is it about propping up the systems that we have in place that are failing us so far? And Michael, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, 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 and guess that those making the comments about, about your concern about where the BSA money is going is, is because they realize it's coming out of their pockets. Middle-income Alaska families realizing that that money's coming out of their pockets and saying, look, we want some accountability before you take this money out of our pockets. We want some accountability. <clears throat> we want some accountability of what's, of what's going on here. Top 20% though, I'm going to guess that there weren't a lot in the top 20% who were pushing back because they're saying in their minds, they're saying, what do we care? It's not coming out of our pockets. Yeah, it's kind of, it, 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 a trivial amount comes out of our pockets, but look at the benefits we get out of this. Look at the free government benefits uh, we get out of this. So it's and so we're really not paying for it. So what do we care? Yeah, keep building this stuff up. Keep you know keep doing things at the school that will make my Johnny have more have have a have have more programs that he that he can participate in. You know, keep adding on bureaucracy that makes it you know that makes the school have a have a higher reputation someplace when you look at number of uh, academics per uh, per student you know keep keep doing those things that make my johnny uh, uh, better off because the dollars aren't coming out of my pockets the significant dollars aren't coming out of my pockets the pushbacks coming from people who have to actually see those dollars leaving their pockets and that's what happens that pushback happens when you deal with both sides of the equation when you deal with People who actually have to give up the money, and 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 look at what where it's going to be spent. When we've got you know people like the K through twelve, uh, the K, uh, Kenai Borough Peninsula Assembly rather, uh, when we've got those people and we've got others who are saying, just spend more, spend more, spend more. 
Um, it's they're not they're not looking at where those dollars have to come from. They're not forced to make the evaluation, the comparison, the trade-off between what those dollars are worth in my pocket versus what those dollars are worth when they're when they're spent uh, on K through 12. And that's uh, that's that's the problem we've gotten ourselves into by by using PFD cuts to 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 fund these things because we we don't have everybody with skin in the game. We've only got a portion of the population with significant skin in the game. And unfortunately, that's not the donor class. Right. Well, and again, since we've seen that there is no real correlation to the continued increase to expenditures for education and educational outcomes, we're not convinced. I mean, many of us are not convinced that that's the answer. Uh, You know, sure, double the money. Does it double the outcome? Does it even increase the outcome by 50%? No? Well, then we've got bigger issues. And I think that's the bottom line. People want to address that. But Nope, there's a lot of people in government, especially a lot of these politicians at the local level who are just like, I want mine, 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 mine. Give me, give me mine. As long, I don't care where it comes from as long as you give me mine. And, uh, you know, my question is, because a lot of these communities are locked out of being able to fund more, right? They fund up to their own. The state should, the state should just reverse that. And I know that there's a whole equity issue of, well, some communities would spend more on education than others. Well, great. You could move to those communities if that's where you want to put your kid. Maybe we should remove the caps. If a local community wants to fund double what they're funding now for education, let them do it. And then people could move with their feet in or out. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's, that's a, that's an issue that some states have confronted and decided to do it that way. That's a, we claim the administration claims that our our hands are tied by the federal rule that uh, that's going to these rural districts uh, of how much rural of how much federal aid will come into the rural districts is 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 governed by how much of a dis- disparity there is between the highest funded districts and the lowest funded districts and it can't be more than a can't be more than a certain percent and the administration says well our hands are tied by the federal rule other states have done away, have no longer accept those federal funds. They've made the determination that 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 is too tight a restriction to tie around their school systems um, and made the determination that they're not going to take those federal funds and release themselves from the federal rule. That's a debate that's probably worth having in this state. Now, we've got another backup that sits behind that, which is disparity, the constitutional provisions regarding disparity in school districts and and whether, you know, whether the, the federal rule approximates where we would end up if we if 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 that was the if the second standard is what applied uh is is an open question but it's a debate we ought to have because we do have some school districts that want to keep on spending and we have other right. local local governments that don't yeah no and they could do it if they wanted to do it and they wanted to tax their people and the people in those communities were okay with it to increase the school funds and make sure that they get the best of the best well then so be it um i think that that would be the uh that would, that would be the best way to uh, to fix a lot of these problems. You want more money? Tax your people. And if they're happy with it, they'll stick around and uh, they'll continue to do it. Uh, all right, Brad, quickly, uh, final thoughts. Well, it's a, it's a long road between here and May when the legislature finally lets out, assuming they'd let out in May this, this year. Uh, long road between here and there. We're, we're going to have to stay vigilant. Uh, but, but I go back to the first point. The first point is do not let government get into the middle of, of our energy situation. They will just make it worse. Yeah. Let the free market work. 
because government has done such a bang-up job with everything else. All right, Brad, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on board. We'll see you next week. Michael's always, thanks for having me. All right, uh, folks, we got more coming up. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, let's get to it. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Welcome to the program. Thanks for coming in and being part of it. It is the Michael Duke Show uh, where every day we try and we try and and uh, jump into this and, and bring some common sense to uh, issues surrounding Alaska. It's what we focus on every day. Um, although, you know, we, we, we see some of the impacts of things from outside the state, the federal government stuff. I mean, this whole thing with the, the debt and the deficit and, uh, and, and what's going on there. And the fact that Alaska has become a dependency state is, um, is troubling, uh, because eventually the gravy train will end. And uh, I think that's uh, one of the biggest things. We were just talking during the top of the hour break. Brad Keithley was our guest in the last hour, as usual, for uh, for Tuesdays for the weekly top three. Um, and we were talking about school funding. And, of course, the final of the weekly top three was the fact that the KPB Assembly has now called on the governor and the legislature to increase the BSA. They put out a you know, they put out a, a resolution saying you must you must. You must give us more money because we, you know, because. Um, and, you know, I I have come back to the to the idea that, you know, one of the things that we need to do is there's a rule in the state. Um, and the rule has to do with federal dollars that are coming into the state for education. And the rule states that uh, they will only fund... Um, they will only fund uh, certain areas of the state in education if there is a basically a cap on what local communities can spend on their schools. That the federal dollars going to the more rural communities will only be available if uh, the 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 more urban communities, um, um, you know, that the disparity between the highest spending uh, school district and the lowest spending school district is within a certain percentile. And I don't remember what it is. I think it's within 20 percent or 25 percent. Um, and that means that, you know, if you want the federal lucre, 
That This is the hook, right? There's always a hook anywhere that they put that bait out there with this quote-unquote free federal money is that there's always a hook hidden in it somewhere. And in this case, it is if you want this federal money, then none of these communities can spend more than X percentile more than what the lower communities will get with the federal dollars. And, you know, it's a federal issue. They've got state issues involved in it and everything else. But if you wanted to solve this, if you really wanted to fix this, you'd you'd jettison that money. You'd, you'd stop taking it. And as Brad was just talking about in the break, there are some states that have decided to do that. So that if a local community, a city or a borough decided we want to have the best, highest, most expensive school district, you know, uh, expenditures in the state and the local community was on board with taxing themselves to pay for that, then they should have the ability to do that. You know, to me, that's the ultimate of volunteerism. If you want, you know, if some communities like we want to put, you know, an extra five mils on our uh, local taxes and that extra five mils goes directly to school districts and goes directly to our children's education. If they wanted to be able to do that, then they should. And if people didn't like having to pay those taxes, well, they could move out. And if other people wanted to be part of that, they could move in. I mean, that's the ultimate of freedom. But you've got, again, this whole thing of the government trying to decide winners and losers. Uh, the government saying we're going to make everybody equally miserable. I mean, it, it just it makes no sense whatsoever. But this is where we're at. And so now everybody is equally miserable. I mean, you know, if if Anchorage wanted to, uh, you know, spend, in a, you know, 25 percent more than what they're spending right now, and they believe that that's the that is the uh, uh, the the solution to the education problem in the state of Alaska, to the academic achievement problem in the state of Alaska, um, it, you know, <laughs> then people would know. And you know what? It would also make them more accountable, because if in five years they tax themselves an extra 20 percent or whatever to make sure that that money went directly to the schools and the scholastic achievement didn't budge in five years, then people who were paying all these excess taxes would start going, wait a second. Wait, wait a second. What what happens there? That's, you know, that's the that's the whole problem. Uh, now, Kevin McCabe is in the chat room and he brings up the idea of the unorganized boroughs. Well, true. The state would then be on the hook for all of the payments for the schools and the unorganized boroughs. And but again, if you live in an unorganized boroughs, you've got to recognize that you've chosen to live in an area with with no government, essentially no local limited government or control. And you've chosen to this is about choice in the long run. You could choose to live in an area that has no local government, no local services, nothing else, or you could choose to live in an area and no taxes on the on the, the side of that, no costs involved to you because you don't receive anything, or you could choose to live in a highly urbanized area that has decided that they're going to be the ultimate in uh, we're gonna we're gonna pay for everything. We're gonna have UBI, we're gonna be socialized, everybody's gonna a uh, chicken in every pot. I mean, you could have both extremes and then people could, you know, choose to go and live in those areas. I mean, that's an ideal world. That's that's me. That's an ideal world. Will it ever happen? Absolutely not, because there's way too many people who are 
invested in, uh, you know, keeping government the same or keeping government in control or whatever. I mean, this is a (laughs) – but, I mean, ideally, if you wanted to solve these problems, that would be it, right? I mean, the (laughs) – that would be it if you if you well I live in an unorganized borough okay well great well you're not expecting anything right because you're there's no organization there's no taxation there's no you're not paying your kick on any of that stuff so you know you 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 understand that right with great freedom comes great responsibility in that regard if you have no local government and no local taxation and no local revenues and none of so you're not expecting schools and swimming pools and libraries and you know all this other kind of stuff. Now the state still has to provide like public safety and roads. I mean that's a state function, but other than that you're on your own. Right? Right. Right. And then if you want to go live in a place that basically taxes you, you know, the taxes the rainwater coming down from the sky and the air that you breathe and every piece of real property that you have, you bought a new lawnmower, now you're paying taxes on it uh, for the next five years or whatever. I mean, some of these things that some of these communities around the country are doing. If you want to live there, great. If you don't want to participate in that madness, then you move or you find someplace in between. You know, it's. It's, it's insane. This is the problem when government tries to make everyone equal. Everyone's equally miserable at that point. And then we all have to end up going to Uncle Sugar to beg for more. That's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. But it's... Um, It's crazy, especially when the fact that we can see time and time and time again, especially in this education thing where, oh, well, we need more money. Well, okay, are you going to guarantee better results? Well, no, there's no guarantees in life. Okay, Uh, can you guarantee that most of the money will go to the education of the children directly? Well, no, we can't guarantee that. In fact, we won't even vote on it if you put that amendment in there that says that, you know, 70 percent of this money needs to go directly into the classroom. We won't even vote on it. Well, I thought it was about the children. Well, it is. Well, but is it, if it's going to go to the... No. Okay, so it's really not... not you. Can, okay. Oh, I just, you know, it, it's it's frustrating. Um, and then the, the, this, the whole public funds issue, you know, the whole public funds argument. Well, they're public funds. You can't pay for... Harold says you can't pay for rich schools and poor schools. That's a civil right. You can't use public funds to pay for rich schools and poor schools. Again, it only becomes public money when the people in those communities decide to contribute it in that regard. So it's only public money once you've taken it from people, once they've decided to give it to you. So if you've got a community that's like, we want to fund 150% of what we normally would fund for education for the next five years. Well, that's a community. Yes, it's public funds, but they decided to contribute it. It's a voluntary thing. Oh, you can't do that. That would mean that somebody in some other community somewhere on the other side of the state or the other side of the country, they wouldn't get the same amount of money. Well, of course, because they're not contributing to that. Wow. You know, that's the this whole thing is just so crazy that. But again, everybody is so invested in the way the system is right now that this will never change. I mean, we could talk about, you know, the 
you know, the libertarian fantasy of everybody pays their way and decides and moves with their feet. If they don't like where they're at, they can go, you know, they can go to some other place with, we can have that. But no, people are too invested in this kind of stuff, you know, and you can see it even with, you know, Republicans, quote unquote, who are like, oh, I'm big, smaller government. I'm all about that. And then the budget cuts come and the vetoes come and they're like, well, but he cut my project too. Yeah, that's kind of the, well, but I'm, I guess I was not that Republican. I guess I was not that. Oh, you know, okay. I mean, way to stand, way to stand by it. Again, this goes back to what we've been talking about previously, which is, you know, the, you, you, you've got the, you've got the left and you've got the right. And then you've got the get off my lawn people. And I think most of the people are in the middle on the get off my lawn category who are just like, we don't need government to be involved in everything. And now you got Republicans who are advocating that the government get involved in pretty much everything. I mean, this whole Jesse Sumner thing of saying, well, we need to build a pipeline with state money. Oh, because that has worked out so well. We need to have the government give money back to the oil companies or the gas companies through credits and all this other kind of stuff because that has gone so well and it's it's got such a proven track record. I mean, I thought you guys were more I thought you guys were part of the group of let's get government out of the way. I mean, let's just let's just do that. How tough is it when a government basically says you can't put money into a classroom because that would be violation of somebody else's rights somewhere else. You can't put money in your own child's classroom because that might be unequal for someone down the road. Now, again, somebody can argue about the equal rights thing or the thing of the federal government. You know, this is one of the reasons why, again, why do you take those federal dollars that would, you know, that's how they get you. Well, you'll do what we say or we won't give you our money. Okay, well, then how about we just not take your money and we'll do what we want? Shocking. Shocking, that idea. It's uh, the whole thing is insane. And and again, I think that there are more people now who are kind of in that, that independent mindset. I came across a, I came across a, a Facebook reel or Instagram post or something. And the guy was saying exactly what I think most of us are feeling. And uh, I want to talk about that here because we talked, we touched on this last week a little bit with the whole kind of get off my lawn principle that there's a bunch of people out there that basically just want to be left alone. They want to do their own thing, not hurting anybody else, just want to be left alone, do my own thing. And I think the majority of Americans feel that way. They're not, you know, on the, the, you know, poster children for the Democrats or poster children for the Republicans or elephants or donkeys or left or right or whatever label you want to put on them. They don't care necessarily. I mean, none of the presidential candidates are making their, you know, are making them happy and everything. They just want to be left alone. And this guy pretty much summates it all in the whole kind of get off my lawn philosophy. And uh, we're going to talk about that here on the uh, in the next segment. Going to be back on that. And then we got Chris Story coming up. Chris Story is going to be coming up at the end of the show to try and soothe the savage beast, so to speak. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Back with more right after this.
running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. All right. Let me uh, let's go over here. Um, the Anchorage School District has no budget hole. It has at least $71 million in surplus funds even after it keeps a 5% minimum reserve balance per state law. Yeah, and they've got a huge raft of money in there. And now, of course, the Biden administration has uh, given them an out with the COVID money. They don't even have to have that encumbered by this year. It could be next year now. So they don't have to give any of that money back. I mean, that's... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Jeremy says, that's me. I just want to be left alone with my dog. Yeah, I'm, I think that's most people uh, for sure. Um, <laughs> every teacher is committing that violation when they spend money on their class. Oh, because, again, you're making it inequitable. If every teach, if you're spending private money on that class, you're making it unequal for other classes in that school or in that district or in that state. I mean, when did we look at the government and go, well, that was a good idea. What if we wanted to create public schools that were just as nice and we wanted to put them in, up in Taj Mahal's because we think that that makes them learn better or we want to do all this? You know, why should the government restrict us from spending our own money on our own education system in our own communities? Well, because that would not be fair to somebody else somewhere. Again, when the government is picking winners and losers, that's when everybody loses. Brian says, it's a feature, not a bug. Yeah, this is true. That's that's true. I, I, I think you're, you know. Um, it's stupid. What's stupid here is that the communities do the inequitable spending thing for hockey rinks and sports facilities and parks, but not for the children. Sure. Yeah, sure. Donna says, boroughs need to organize and put skin in the game. I, you know, Donna, I, look, I know there's a lot of people out there that get mad about the unorganized boroughs, but, hey, if that's how you want to live, then that should be your choice. I mean, I considered for a while, 20 years ago, I considered moving outside of the borough and living in an unorganized area because the whole thing just pisses me off so much. I'm just like, I, I just, you know. And if that's, I would expect nothing at that point. If you live in an unorganized area, then you should expect nothing. What kills me is people who live in an unorganized area and then expect all the trappings of government and everything. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. I mean, you know, oof. Um... But it's just, you know, isn't a borough just another layer of government and and that's good, says, says Mike? Well, I mean, I guess you could argue that the government that's closest to you is the best because you have more control over it. But sometimes not having that organized borough around you is what you want. They don't want to mess with those kind of things. They want to just take care of themselves and be self-sufficient. You know, again, the problem is people who go out there 
and say, well, they have some dream of living the rural, you know, bush type lifestyle. And then they get out there and they go, where's my schools and my swimming pools and my theaters and my libraries and all this other kind? You chose to live out there. If you want those things, you need to move over here. And that's the thing. Again, so then they go to government and they say, well, it's not fair that we live out here and everybody else has things and we don't. So we should get things that even you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. And I think most people at this point are just so frustrated with everything that's going on. Are just so frustrated with the the whole situation, the politics of it, the national stuff, the the, the circus that the media's become, you know, and the presidential politics of all the talking heads and the blah blah blah, the bobbleheads out there that are, you know, making waves that they just again, they just want to be left alone. Get off my lawn. That's what they want. All right, here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's get to it. Okay, uh, continuing on again, you know, in my in my time, my downtime during the holidays and looking at this year and deciding what I wanted to, you know, focus on and, you know, kind of re refocusing my mind. You know, I started thinking about what what do we, you know, I want to focus on the things that I can fix and not the things that I can't. There are some things out there that we need to be aware of, but we don't need to focus on them and, uh, you know, and, and pontificate and circle think on them kind of thing. We need to, you know, and what did I decide? Well, you know, I want people to understand that there's problems on both the left and the right and that there's a lot of us who are out here. And I say in the middle, but that's not really where it's at. It's not in the middle. Again, it's the spectrum is more government on one side and less government, least government on the other. You know, maximum government on one side and the least government on the other side. And I think most people are on that least government. They just want to be left alone more than anything else. And uh, and I and I'm seeing more and more of that on, you know, the socials and things like that, where people are just sick of the games. They're sick of the, you know, Trumpian, Trump versus Biden versus Vivek versus, you know, whoever versus Newsom versus they just they're sick of that whole thing. And it's why, quite honestly, you're seeing, I think, a reduction in participation in elections and some of these other things, because they're just like throwing their hands up going, we can't get, you know, none of that matters. We just want to be left alone. And it came across this. Uh, I came across this uh, this little short uh, on it was Facebook or Instagram, one of the two, and and I was like, wow, that was powerful. And um, and and it says it all. It's a little thirty second thing, and I think he speaks for a lot of Americans out there in saying what this is how we feel. 
Now I've censored it because it's got a few, it's got some bad language in it, but it it still doesn't, it does not um, um, uh, diminish from the fact that he is saying something that I think most people are in America are feeling, which is kind of this whole, you know, mantra of get off my lawn. I'm not right. I'm not left. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. I'm not libertarian. I'm a human f-ing being that wants the best for the rest of the human beings. And I want some common f-ing sense. And I want to be left alone. I want to pay low taxes. I want to be able to go build things and prosper and get all the things that have been promised to me in the Constitution of this country. That's what I want. And until people wake the f- up and stop identifying with left or right, Republican, Democrat, black, white, gay, straight, all the sh- until we figure that out and stop doing that, we will continue to be abused by these people who hold the power. And I was like, wow. I mean, I had to listen to it like three or four times because I'm like, that it's he's right. Although I would argue with the fact that he says he's not libertarian. He just espoused like the most libertarian of ideals out there. Basically, just, you know, leave me alone and let me, you know, get off my lawn. Let me do my thing. Let me build things. Let me go out there and, and, and produce and let me create jobs and let me, you know, let me do all these things and stop painting me into the picture of left or right or black or white or fat or skinny or gay or straight or whatever. Just stop with the, just let us, you know, why, why do we get so stuck up in all this stuff? And that is, I mean, it's a it's a very very frustrating thing to uh, to watch and see, but that's I I think that summates pretty much where I'm at right now personally, and where I think a lot of people are at, which is basically they just want to be left alone. They just want just you know again get off my lawn and let me go do the thing. Um, you know, let me do, let me, as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, let me do what I want to do. Right. Isn't that kind of where most people should be? You know, unless of course, in your heart of hearts, you really want to control, you believe that you know better than other people, how they should live their lives or spend their money or raise their kids or do whatever it is. If you believe that, then, then you're obviously part of the problem. Again, people just want to know what they they just they just want to be left alone to their own. And generally speaking, most people when left to their own devices will do good things. Most people are generally good. They will make good decisions. They will make good decisions for themselves and for their families and their for their communities. I mean, that's that that's been the history uh, of the will there be bad people who do bad things? Absolutely, and good people will step up and stop the bad people, and then we'll go back to doing good things for each other. But again, the problem is, is that so many people now are invested in this idea of government being the only solution to every one of these problems that they just can't foresee it any other way. Then the answer becomes, well, then we have to have government. do, And it doesn't matter, again, if you're on the left or the right. There are plenty of right-wingers out there who are like, well, we hate government, except for, of course, when government is pushing our ideology and, and backing us up on what we want. And we can use the force and, and coercion of government to get people to do the things the way that we want them to do. Then it's okay. That is... That is... That is not 
we are not on the same page at that point. If you say you believe in smaller, more limited government, and yet at the same time you're like, but we need this government to do this because it matches my ideology, we are not on the same page at all. But again, unfortunately, I mean, again, this is the this is the libertarian utopian idea of, you know, because everybody now is so invested in having the government there that if 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 they give up on that, they lose their place in line or whatever. They lose their ability to utilize that. Well, we it's the same ideology that we were talking about yesterday with Ben or last week where people say, well, if we don't spend that money, somebody else will. Yeah, but if it's not the right thing to spend the money and we shouldn't really just waste it, shouldn't it go back? Well, but somebody else will spend it. Well, sometimes you have to give up your place in line because it's the right thing to do. It doesn't matter if somebody else spends it. Did you spend it? Did you do the right thing? Well, you know, I mean, somebody's going to do it. We might as well be us. Okay, well, that's not a slippery slope at all. I mean, these are the things that we should be asking ourselves. These are the things that as we address these issues surrounding government and spending and taxes and everything else, we should be, you know, we should be asking ourselves, is this the right thing? Am I forcing my ideology and will on somebody else? And I just, I just feel like, I I just feel like we're getting, you know, we're, we're, we're losing the melody somewhere in the middle there. I'm all for being smaller, more limited government, unless, of course, I can use that government to focus my ideology and force other people. to. I don't care what you believe. You don't have to believe like I believe. And if you don't want to live that way, fine. Just don't tell me how to live my life. Or coerce the government into coming down and, you know, (laughs) no, just not going to do it. Just not going to do it. Uh, okay. Um, (laughs) and we've got to learn, we've got to learn how to step away. We've got to learn to separate ourselves from the, you know, from the lure of all this free money. Like I was saying earlier, you know, oh, if we don't spend it, somebody else will, then let somebody else spend it. Be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Donna Ardwin's in the chat room. She said, I've worked for several governors who who turned down federal money. That would be a cardinal sin in this state if we turned down federal money. We couldn't possibly do that. It's free money. How could we possibly do that? It's... You've, you've got to you've got to learn and we should be weaning ourselves off of the federal teat right now. We should be weaning ourselves off right this minute because again, you could see the bridge is out and the train tracks are ending and instead of putting on the brakes and trying to get everybody off the train, you're just like throwing coal into the box. It's going to be spectacular. We can make that gap. We can leap the gap. We can make it. I not without some no, you just can't. You can't be spending a trillion dollars on debt service and continuing to borrow more every single hour of every single day and then spending a trillion dollars on debt service and say it's all going to be okay with a four or five trillion dollar revenue stream and you're paying 20, 25 percent of it to debt service. That 
is not sustainable unless you stop borrowing. But considering that you're continuing to borrow every minute of every day, that's not it's just not going to be sustainable. It's just it's just it's 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 crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. Thirty eight trillion dollars in debt. And we just keep going. We just keep going. In my lifetime, in my lifetime, since I've started paying attention to this, our debt has increased 40-fold. And it's just, it just, you know, arithmetic doesn't lie. Eventually, it's going to win out. And we should be, we should be getting ourselves ready for that. We should be preparing ourselves and uh, you know, bunkering down and and getting things ready because when that when that train comes off the rails, oh baby, there will be pain. There there will be a whole lot of pain, and if we're not prepped for it, we're gonna be we're gonna be hurting for certain. All right. Well, now that I've thoroughly depressed everybody, let's get our weekly update. Chris Story is going to be joining us in a minute. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We got more coming up right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, I'm going to get Chris Story on the line here in just a second. Uh, I'm going to leave you guys to your own devices here for about 30 seconds. Don't... uh... Don't don't uh, go anywhere here. I'll be right back to you. Okay. There we go. Good morning, Michael. Hello, my friend. How are you this morning? Well, fantastic. Left to their own devices, a, a coup could be staged. Be I know. Careful. In the 45 seconds that I left them to their own devices, they created their own country and formed their own nation and did it. See, that's the libertarian ideal. Leave them be and they'll do what they need to do in a positive way. That's what it's all about. So long as you still get to be the Duke of that's right. land, this will be called. That's right. The King of the North. That's what they call me. King of the North. King of the North. Um, how are you doing, sir? I mean, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to lead into this segment with like the Debbie Downer syndrome, but I just oh I think people are just they're just sick and tired of watching all this stuff and they just want to be left alone oh lord anyway what's going on well you know, no no your depressive state is my opportunity that's, how that's what it. we like that's what we like mm-hmm. so what what's the what's the story for today what's our what's our life lesson for today for today well before i before i tuned in i had in mind uh talking about gratitude and and something called your golden list okay my golden not list. lisp not lisp not lisp my golden, lisp. i have a golden lisp what okay that's fine uh my gratitude <laughs> i used it yeah 
I used to have a terrible lisp, and I just I was over at my folks' house the other night, and I was talking about um, speech therapy, and uh, I mentioned how the the therapist, which is now I'm suddenly the lisp is coming back, the therapist would have me place a penny in my mouth and hold the penny to the roof of my mouth with my tongue to try to help me, uh, and and they were like, no, that never happened. I'm like, yeah, it did. Like, no therapist on earth had a child put a penny in their mouth. It didn't happen, Chris. I'm like, yes, it did happen. The, there's a little room in Paul Banks Elementary. I can see it right now in my mind's eye. She took a penny, said, put this in your mouth, hold it to the roof. I know it happened, but they're trying to tell me that it's delu I'm delusional. It's the Mandela effect. You just think it happened. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <You> just... <laughs> I know it happened. I know it happened. I'm I'm gonna will so it. Then I did existence. a bunch of searching. I did a bunch of Google searching. Like, has a penny ever been used? I mean, I desperately tried to find some study or research or or methodology with which the penny is used as a tool, just so I could prove them. I couldn't find it. I'm still looking. Okay. <laughs> Brian says he had to do the same thing, but with a rubber band for his speech therapy. So, I mean, I don't know. Put a rubber here, kid. Put this no, rubber. Sounds like a joking hazard. <laughs> I know, really. Here, kid. Put this rubber band in your mouth. Here, put this raw oyster in your mouth and hold it against the roof of your mouth and see what happens for a few. Oh man! All right. Uh, well, if you're ready, uh, I'm ready, and uh, we're about to jump into this. Mm -hmm. Here, we're a minute and a half away, and we're going to. Uh, we're going to get things uh, going on. Let me uh, let me fix your thing. I put your other picture back. I just wanted to let you know you don't have Fabio here anymore because oh. I know, I know some people, but one gal was like, I'm totally skeezed out by his picture. It just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like she was not going to trust you with her children or something, you know, because she was worried about eh. it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, all right. So the golden list is what we're going to discuss today. Okay. All right. I don't. Mm. I try. Didn't mean to derail you from your from your thing. So it's uh, let's glad, go. I'm this will work. Glad to hear. I might put the picture back up just for a second because you know. Oh, it's so fabulous. No, uh, I won't do it. I won't do it. I. You can't make me. You can't make me. Uh, all right, Chris. Uh, we're sixty seconds out. Hold the line. I put you back on hold. Let me see if you guys. Brian says, "Don't leave us, Dukes. We're incapable of caring for ourselves." I disagree. You guys are perfectly capable of caring for yourselves. You don't know. You don't need me or any government to come in and take care of you because you can. You know, you can do it. Um. Oh, but also Brian said, "That's like when I said, you know, getting off of government and getting, you know, get getting, you know." He said, "That's like telling your dealer you're going to kick your meth addiction. It won't work well because now you are messing with his revenue stream or her revenue stream." And that's true. Like I said, everybody's so invested in this whole idea of government is the solution to every problem. That's that's what that's where it is. All right, uh, ten seconds out. Chris Story is our guest. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the things. Let's talk about the golden list. All right. Well, this is the time on Tuesdays that we bring on the guru of positivity. The Tony Robbins of Alaska. The man, the myth, the legend in his own mind. Chris, 
story. Hello, my friend. How are you? Uh, how how is how are you doing today? You ready to go? Yes, sir. I'm fantastic. I'm on top of the world, ready to rock your world, Michael. Always, always rock my world. Always bring me back to the foundations of what I need. Today, you wanted to talk about, you said before I got into that diatribe, you had one thing. I don't know if I changed your mind, but you wanted to talk about the golden list. And I don't know exactly what that is, but uh, it's got gold in it, and I'm a capitalist, so it sounds like something I should be interested in. Tell me, what uh, what are we talking about today, my friend? Well, a guy called Jim Stovall wrote a book called The Ultimate Gift, which, fantastic book, then made into an incredible movie with little Abigail Breslin, who would go on to star in, um, oh, what was the, Little Miss Sunshine. Anyway, so if you remember that movie, you remember her. She's an amazing little actress. So The Ultimate Gift, a wonderful movie. Jim Stovall then wrote the sequel, became a movie also called The Ultimate Life. And in that movie, there's a little throwaway line by a character who could have been just easily missed. It was a hobo on a train helping this young guy figure out how to get on and off of these trains to make his way uh, across the country to uh, a better life. Anyway, he's a little tiny throwaway line. This hobo is doing something. When the guy, young guy wakes up, he notices this hobo standing in the door of this moving freight train. And, and he's like, he says, what are you doing? He says, oh, I'm going over my golden list. He says, what's that? Well, my grandmother taught me that every morning when I wake up, first thing, recite 10 things I'm grateful for every single morning. And so he continues on and he's kind of doing this little imaginary thing with his hand. And so I thought, man, that's what a great line. And, and that was it. They didn't make anything more out of it out of the movie. It didn't come back up. That was it. That was just that one line. Well, and I was listening to an interview with Jim Stovall and he was talking about his grandmother in real life taught him that at five years of age, his sister was going through cancer. It turns out the story, The Ultimate Gift, actually was a sort of a retelling or a fictionalized version of what his family went through with his young sister. And his grandmother was watching him while his parents were in the hospital with daughter and, and going through all this. And, and he was five years old at the time, and he was complaining to his grandmother, I don't have any of my toys here at your house. And he was just constantly complaining. She finally said, okay, you can do all the complaining you want, Jim, after you make your golden list. Well, what's that? Okay, 10 things. I'll write them down for you. You tell me 10 things you're grateful for right now. Then you can complain about anything else you want. And of course, obviously, he didn't complain once he was done making his morning golden list. And I thought, what a great way, as we are at the precipice of thermonuclear war, uh, which don't worry, Neil deGrasse Tyson says that we don't have the radiation problem with today's news. Like, we, it's fine. Okay, so we're at the precipice of a global financial collapse. We're potentially looking to China invading Taiwan coming up pretty soon. We've got a new strain of COVID making its way around the world. We've got all these things. What do you have to be grateful for? We are at record high interest rates. We're at record high uh, home prices, unavailability with a lack of inventory. We've got the list goes on and on. Government overspending. What did you say? Uh, I was just reading a book about um, by Peter Schweitzer, and I was reading it. I was like, wait a minute. I just got this book, and he's talking about the national debt at $17 trillion. This guy's crazy. Oh, this was written that many years ago. And not that many, but a few years ago. There's a lot you could be scared about. There's a lot you could feel out of control. There's a lot you could feel underwater, overwhelmed and underwater and unable to do anything about it. Fine. Set all that aside. 
and make your golden list and come up with 10 things in your life, in the world you're grateful for right now. And I hope and I pray that if on that list, at least one of those things for you is that you're in America. That I'm so grateful to be in America. I feel like I've won the golden ticket, the lottery, just right. by waking up in America today. But right. that's, I just thought I was so impressed by that, that golden list idea. I just thought, you know what? That's something I got to share with Dukes. No, I mean, I think that that is uh, that's powerful. I mean, we've got to have a gratefulness. I mean, for as, as messy and, and again, going back over my New Year's resolutions and looking back and realizing the things that I can change and the things that I can't, I have to be grateful for many of the things that are good in my life. And again, uh, you know, work towards getting more of those things and not focusing on the things that I can't control. But you're right. We, you know, count your blessings, right? I mean, that's that's what this is all about. Uh, so that nothing, I think it's hard to remain, as you pointed out in your story of Jim, complaining about all the things until he got those 10 ideas down. You know, it's 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 hard in today's day and age. Everything is negative. You just reeled off a whole bunch of stuff that everybody's worried about. But we've got to be grateful for certain things. Otherwise, we'll live in the doom and gloom mentality. So it's easy for a guy like Jim Stowell, I should tell you, by the way, he, he created a television network with over, over a thousand affiliates. He uh, starred in his own movie as a little cameo. He was the limo driver. Uh, he's written 50, written and published 50 books with over 10 million books in print, sales around the world, 30 languages. I mean, pretty easy for a guy like Jim Stovall to suggest you should find 10 things every day to be grateful for, and it will ultimately impact your life. And then you learn a little bit more about this guy called Jim Stovall and realize at age 17, he was diagnosed with a disease that would take his eyesight. Doctor said, we don't know when, but we can tell you for sure you're going to go blind. And he did so by age 29. At 17, his goal was to be an NFL linebacker, quickly realized that wasn't in the cards. And so he pivoted towards weightlifting, became an Olympic gold medalist in weightlifting uh, before he lost his sight. Once he lost his sight, he realized he wasn't the only person that was blind in the world. And there's other people who'd like to watch television and movies. So he came up with his television network for the blind, in which case uh, he became fabulously wealthy by helping other people get what they want. And again, go on the right 50 books. He's presented around the world on stages and arenas. He's got a lot of weight in the topic, I think, in regards to counting your blessings and or just being grateful and understanding that, yeah, things happen outside of your control, but it's not the event. It's your response that's going to equal the outcome. Same thing. I'm going to be on a panel next week talking about a Homer city ordinance that a couple of council people would like to impose new regulations and, and create basically a new department within our city government to regulate um, and tax essentially and create and collect fees for short-term rentals. And so in that, I'm just thinking to myself, what am I grateful for? Well, first off, I'm grateful that we have an opportunity to have the discussion, grateful that we live in a uh, you know representative democracy with which they can't just foist new laws upon us. I'm grateful that the uh, the architect and the writer of this particular ordinance didn't also get what she wanted in 2017, which was a sanctuary city ordinance passed. So I'm grateful to have all this knowledge with me to take into that um, panel and, and just realize that it's an opportunity to share a bit of my opinion 
even though the outcome is outside of my control. We may end up with this new department within our city. Right. I hope not. Um, but I, I'm grateful to just be you know, a part of it. So rather than be stressed and angry that this ordinance has been presented, I'm grateful to be a part of the discussion. <laughs> I mean, that's a positive. Like you said, I mean, and we've talked about that many times, is that, you know, there's not there are things in life we just can't control. The only thing in life that we have full control over is our reaction to circumstances, events, whatever. That's the one thing we have control over. Yes. Yep, absolutely. And my, my personal goal for the year, and I put this out in public, so I'm grateful to share it here with you, is that I want to, my personal goal is to help 2,000 people this year become backyard millionaires. And the way to do that is to think about it like, okay, Jim Rohn said, if somebody hands you a million dollars, you better hurry up and become a millionaire. So in other words, it's a mindset that is of, of wealth and of opportunity. So my goal is to help 2,000 people take that first step towards becoming a backyard millionaire and towards the four home formula. Even if they don't end up with those four homes for another 10 years, that's not the point. The timeline's not the point. It's the mindset. It's that I am incredibly grateful that I have this, this platform with you, my own platform on my show um, to help people to assist and inspire and motivate people, even though we could look around and go, it's never been worse. It's never been more divided. Shane Gillis is a funny comedian. He goes, never been more divided. What? Because we tweeted each other. You know, we fought a war, right? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, yeah, this is, we've been more divided than we are right now. Right. No, I mean, again, there could be the ultimate division. So how do we work this into our daily ritual? I guess, Chris, I mean, are you, have you been doing this? Is this something that you make part of your daily routine or what, uh, you know, what's what give me baby steps here and, and let's figure out how we work, make this work. So Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer has been a big influence in my life for a long time, over 25 years. I loved his work. He did a movie. He wanted it for free. It's out there for free in the world called The Shift, S-H-I-F-T, The Shift. And in it, you'll see Wayne wake up. And he's the first thing he says when his feet hit the floor is, thank you. That's a great place to start. If you don't want to go through a full 10 uh, points of gratitude, just say thank you. And when you wake up, first thing. And I adopted that from him, and I used that and have used it. And then I go through um, a list. I never called it the golden list, but I do start immediately in my morning routine is wake up and say thank you. Uh, and I say a silent prayer. And then I begin to go through all the things that I'm grateful for. And it's typical uh, for health and family and friends and opportunities and those kinds of things. So I do it every single day. But if you want to just practice one thing, just say thank you upon waking up and it'll change your change your day for sure. I guarantee it. And you spend uh, walk us through I got about two minutes here. So walk me through your beginning ritual because you start with that. And then you also, again, some self-reflection, right? Because that's where that's where growth comes from is from that self-reflection. And do you do that every day? Do you do it once a week? Do you do it, you know, once a month? When are you analyzing and reanalyzing what you're doing? Well, doing, I mean, so there's a lot of different, I guess, avenues you can take that down. But my morning routine is essentially I am thankful, grateful. Uh, I do a, like some physical stretching and just put my, try to put my body and mind in one place at one time and then go read something positive and then journal. And it's not a diary, it's a journal because I'm a guy, I'm a dude, a journal. And <laughs> I, that's, that's where I start to think in terms of, okay, this is where I'm at trying to be very mindful of where I am today and where I want to go, but not living too far into the future, not living in the past, trying to be present and also just really 
grateful. So I think gratitude, truthfully, if I could leave you with one word, that's it. The golden list, you call it whatever you want. It's about gratitude. And I'm super grateful to have every Tuesday with you. And it's something that when you're off for that couple of holiday weeks, it's very difficult for me. So I'm glad <laughs> just to be back. Throws you into a tailspin. I don't know what to do. I can't be grateful for Dukes today because well, you could probably be grateful that I'm not on the air. I'm not hurting people's feelings. That's what it's all about. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Well, Chris Story, the man from Homer, the golden list. Thank you, my friend. I, as always, I appreciate you coming on board. Happy New Year. All right. I appreciate you being part of it. Folks, we are out of time. We got more tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. Brian says, man, the 10 things to be grateful for hit home. I just <clears throat> I just ignored a work call to listen to this segment. He says, I have a New Year's resolution. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it's good. to It's, it's easy to get sucked up into all the bad stuff, folks. It's easy to come on talk radio and be sucked up in all the doom and gloom and the everything else, but we got to be thankful. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you guys joining me every day. There's a lot of you out there that I see the same names, and I appreciate y'all. I appreciate everybody coming on board and sharing with me. I'm grateful for you. That's that's one on my golden list for today. I appreciate you. We will see you guys tomorrow. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show continues then. Don't forget to check out the Common Sense Core. That's your place to uh, help support the show, be part of the fan club, be part of the Cool Kids Club. Go over to patreon.com slash Show, or you can just go to my website at michaeldukeshow.com and click on Join the Core. We will see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 